Avant, everyone, and this week I am Boji. Oh, this week I am Lord Slug. Oh, <laughs> and uh, yeah, uh, we're sw- swapping it, so uh, we will be doing news later, and we are going to get straight to the recaps. So, what do you want to talk about first? Um, I think uh, Paladin was the last thing that I watched, so it's probably the freshest thing in my okay. mind. <laughs> and I like that they wound up spending like probably three going on four episodes in this one small area of the story because this week we got the sort of beginning of the climax <clears throat> where yeah yeah where you know where where will is about to set off and now we know the mystery of like the this land of undead that they're in and why the three characters um that why it he, seems like no one is interacting with them yeah and it actually made sense because i was wondering you know you could tell from the opening of the show that there's a wider cast of characters, and of course, there's a bigger world. So I knew that they weren't going to be spending a whole lot of time um, on his early growth and all that other stuff. But I still actually appreciate that they took multiple episodes to just kind of flesh that out. Because now, as we sort of get the reveal that they're all going up against this echo of the God of the Undead, it actually kind of feels earned and interesting. And the little. Uh, cliffhanger at the end where gus kind of intervenes and does the whole like i'll take them on myself guys kind of deal i think it works and you do kind of feel bad once you have the story laid out um as to how they wound up trapped in these immortal bodies in this city of undead demons and i did appreciate that that they flipped the trope of the heroes kind of like being successful because will was like running ahead in the story like oh i got it all figured out like oh you guys did this this and this like nah bro we lost yeah <laughs> like that, yeah. that was cool. so I, I i i appreciate that and maybe next week we'll get like some really um well-produced action scenes maybe just for for gus and fighting this echo because they did lay the seeds to say that the sword that he was given by blood actually could kill the echo of a god. I'm like, that's an odd thing to bring up if you're not gonna, yeah. you know, it's I, not I, gonna be I, the yeah. story. That line was dropped in there on purpose. Yeah. So, what did you feel about the episode? I really loved it. Um, but I also took into account that they were still leaving shit out when they were telling him things because they didn't tell him specifically about the contract. Because when the god came down, he said okay, your, uh, he was like, your attachment is gone, which yes. I'm assuming is Gus. So he was like, give me your souls. But they didn't say anything about that. From the way that they told him or the, from the way that they made it sound, it seemed as though they, they had this contract with him way before Gus even showed up. So yeah. did they make a second contract with the guy once Gus showed up or something like there has to be something else that went on because of Gus because the God literally showed up on the day that he is supposed to that he's considered an adult and aka can he can be by himself I so, agree and they knew this was coming they so, did so yeah, you're right that they left they not only did they leave stuff out but it also could be that the way some words are translated may mean more than what is obvious from just the wording. Mm. So, I, and because remember, we didn't really get a payoff to 
that you know the whole line where Gus was like, just lo- make lose and make it look convincing. I was going to bring that up next. I was yeah. like, so what is the reasoning for him wanting, needing him to lose? I don't know. It's not clear like, to me what that means, and he did I'm lose anyway. Something next week. Yeah, he lost anyway. But then also he lost because he was fighting an undead. If he was right. fighting an actual human, then except that he, that motherfucker yeah. was like, oh, you do that. You did this even when you were alive. Like try to yes. do sword catching with your fucking rib cage. Oh, and I, you know what? I said that shit while I was watching it. I was like, this is some bullshit because this is like healer trauma. Yeah. It's like niggas just run in and they expect the healers <laughs> to just fucking handle the shit. And it's like, no, nigga, you need to at least be aware of your own fucking, like, you know, body. That feels like some, some MMO player bullshit yeah. that I don't oh, know yeah. anything about. <laughs> it is. It is. I was like, this nigga is just like a horrible DPS. Like, then nigga just runs in. He's DPS. like, oh, my healer got me. He got me. He got And it's like, I only have so much mana. Like, stop. Like, just a- at least try to do the mechanics. Okay, anyways. <laughs> anyways, yeah, that was an MMO healer rant. Uh, um, that's fine. I, I think that maybe, like, the next episode, Gus might go into details um, about, like, that conversation that he had. Because it doesn't seem like blood is very <clears throat> malicious. No, um, I don't think when so. it comes to Will, so I was like, so what was the reasoning for the law? Unless that has to do with the contract with the God. Yeah. Also, so like if if Gus beats Blood, that means that he would be considered a man, and that means the contract would be over even faster. Yeah, and and again, I don't really fully. I expect now, having gone through this episode, that they will explain the rest of it. And and again, from the intro and outro, it does seem that like. Not only does Will leave, but he's not like on the run or anything. So no, it just I seems expect... like he's wandering. Yeah, I expect this to get wrapped up. I, it may even be be the case that the foreshadowing around that sword is such that maybe he saves the day, like he takes out the Echo, and maybe they're still forced to stay in that city or something. But it what? But I could also see it go the other way because they did a whole emotional moment where he's like wait a minute i'm not gonna see you again oh no because yeah he had that vision of the future i'm like i'm gonna bring my friends back it's gonna be cool they're like oh, bro yeah with the wife and kid I yeah was like, oh, they were like, like bro here. yeah nah, don't out throwing we already went last week with somebody getting overloaded with death flags we don't need any more of that oh, talking yeah, about the future m- got more of them dead motherfuckers this week on this yeah, show yeah. not <laughs> wrong about that either um so yeah i thought that that the way they handled both sides of this episode because the first part of it was sort of the was like goofy hijinks he gets drunk they try to peep on mary for some fucking reason which was also yeah that, like a pure comedy like it didn't go it didn't mean anything yeah i was like okay this is uh, he's doing this okay. yeah i am very interested in that sword and the, so what i wanted to know though or what I'm I'm curious about is that the barrier that um that Gus weaved. How the hell did those like lesser demons get through that shit? Yeah, Does that I don't mean know. that like he's not keeping it up, and that like it's like efficacy is like you know getting lower and lower every year? Does he has a? Well, no, I feel like magic power isn't finite because it's just the words, right? Yeah. So I, that was another thing that I was questioning. I was like, how the fuck did Gus and the little and the demons get in there? And I also thought it was kind of fucked up that I was like, oh, wow. So this isn't a plot by the gods. No. That, like Gus is a chosen baby. Like, no, nigga, you're <clears throat> no. going to die. And I'm like, not. And I think maybe that explains or will be part of the explanation for why Gus came at him 
like to fucking murder him in that underground area and then didn't want to talk about why because he may have known at that point that like this is this little game that we're playing raising this kid who we all like it's not like he you know doesn't have feelings either but like you know the end result of it is going to be the violation of this contract and you know all our souls are forfeit after that and maybe he just had a moment where he was like i'm not sure i can go through with whatever he's doing in this giving episode. my soul up but yeah we we need it which i'm i'm absolutely positive the show was gonna do i feel like we're going to need some more details on exactly what the contract is um how did it change because of gus I, maybe that's what happened <clears throat> they had an original contract and then when they decided to raise him homeboy was like all right we gotta change some shit because the way that i took it was that the um the god wanted them to protect that seal because he didn't want to deal with the demon yeah, lord, yeah. demon king's bullshit in the world too because he because like they said all the gods have their own machinations going on and that nigga was fucking his shit up so he was like nah we need to like you, good job sealing right. it um i will make you undead to watch over it forever but if he takes their souls, they can't watch over it forever. Right. So. And, the, and, you know, they, they also spent a good chunk during the exposition on the backstory of how they all wound up there to talk about that demon king, the king of demon kings. Demon king, ultra, yeah. Yeah, whatever. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> ultra instinct demon king, where <laughs> his ability was to create demons from his own flesh and blood, which I is cool. I thought he was an isekai person for a moment. You know, and you never really know because that's one aspect of the show that is sort of on the on the back burner. I, probably, and again, I've only seen a little bit of it, but like Mishoku Tensei, where like it's not the most important part is not the logistics of reincarnating in the other world. It's just the story that happens once they get there. But it, yeah, but it's, yeah, yeah, yeah. But it's also very possible because they did characterize this 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 adversary. And one of the things that I noticed when I was starting to to you know get into the backstory was okay we're doing some broader world building here there doesn't seem to be a direction for will yet to go other than to you know grow up and leave the the city so now we have that we have what could be a primary antagonist assuming uh the vow that they took or violated here uh ends with that seal being undone in some way so mm-hmm. I could I could see that being an aspect, and the other the other way they could go is just pure exploration because that's what it appears like in the opening. So, you know, a lot of directions that they could take this, and I appreciate that they put a lot of work into the world building and backstory before they got out of this area. We shall see. I I mean that was a pretty good first three episodes. Not gonna lie. Yeah, it was solid. Um, it was yeah, solid. Very much so enjoying the show. It says something that if, you know, other series, and this, by the way, is a very good-looking series as well. Like, there's definitely money behind the production. But they led mostly with story. And usually that's a sign that the writers are confident that the story and, like, the look and the feel of the show is going to carry interest. Whereas, like, other series would probably lean more into, like, let's give some big bombastic sort of intro even if the rest of the series doesn't really live up to that because you want to hook people immediately but the story here and the characters are likable and interesting um on their own and then if there's some additional like cool stuff that happens then you know that'll just be extra gravy i think agreed agreed all right what do you want to do next um we could what we talk about do go ahead 
Oh, like, I was like, do you want to do 86? I feel yeah, like not much happened in 86. Yeah, we, we, we can. So what did you feel about 86 this week? Um, I thought that it was uh, a build-up episode, primarily. And uh, I really wanted Shin to just call everybody stupid. Like, <laughs> I mean, he kind of, sort of did at like, the end. I, sort of. Sort of, but... I, well, let me clarify. I want him to do it to their faces. Oh, well. The moment that they were in... Uh, what's call it? When she got them back, and they were in that meeting, and they were talking about all the statistics and shit like that, and uh, he was just like, yeah, but... And she's like, no... Like, we, we do this all the time. Our things are fine. It's going to be a chill battle. I was like, everyone's dying. Yeah. Like, like, we well, know, not everybody, we know the deal. but there are going to be a lot of deaths. We know the deal. Yeah. Now, hopefully that does not um, include our main cast, anybody in our main cast. Um, but knowing the show, I wouldn't put it past them. I, I think we whittled that group down maybe enough. <laughs> I don't know. Um, I'm also extremely excited that redhead guy from the previous episodes got fucked up. So True. yeah, they just off screen wounded yeah. him. Yeah, they yeah. off screen wounded him. I was like, it would have been one thing if they had just randomly killed him or showed his dead body, but yeah. they like that nigga was fucked up and was like going home. And I was like, now look at you, just a liability. Look at so, that. So I don't remember the shit. the the general's name, but her nickname was the Spider. So that's like yeah. their commander. She had a really good set of lines and interactions in that, both in the the big meeting with the rest of the um, top brass of the Federacy military, as well as when they were meeting up with the consolidated um, special ops team that that Shine and all the others are part of. So on uh-huh. the so so there were I had two thoughts about that. I, it was strong enough that I actually actually took notes about it because like oh okay that um. Sometimes when I watch 86, I feel like if it had been a different show, not that it would have been better, but that I probably would, that it had, it has enough, uh, depth that it could have been a good show of a different sort. So for example, I think it could have been a really good, um, military sci-fi series in the sense of like a Gunka no Balthazar, one that's like, it's not so much about all the character drama, but it's really about like the prosecution of a war in a science fiction, you know, post-apocalyptic kind of scenario. Like, I think I think the show is competent enough because I was thinking about, you know, they're talking about order of battle and military organization and tactics and strategy and technology and all that other stuff. And, I, and it was strong. I mean, I, it added a lot to this episode where not a lot actually happened to just give you a sense of just what the heck is going on. Because I'll say that even in our last conversation when we talked about last week's episode... A lot of what we're discussing is sort of inference about what the state of the world is and the state of the conflict is from little bit snippets and like things that people say. They haven't really sat back and given a, a, a over like a big overview of like, okay, what is the real situation? What is the Legion up to? What are the plans of the good guys? What is their, you know, what what is the pathway going forward? in a detailed way so that we can understand where our characters fit in. The same way, like, if you were watching a, a shonen battle series where, like, mm-hmm. you know, you want to understand what are all the powers and abilities or... It, I think the best example is if you ever if you ever watch or read One Piece and, uh, you know, the, the whole Straw Hat crew is, like, eight or nine people, they're all engaged in these, like, separate fights all over an environment. And sometimes when you read the manga or when you watch the show, they have to have these, like, 
panning pan out shots where they show you a little map of the area that they're in. They'd be like, okay, Luffy is here fighting oh, this yeah, guy. Yeah, this yeah, person yeah. is here fighting that. Just to give you a sense of like just what's going on, because I'm currently reading the Wano arc, and I'm not going to like spoil anything for folks who aren't caught up. But there's a the the main battle is this like happening on this multi-floor flying island. And sometimes it's very important to know where certain things are happening and who's involved because you'll cut to a panel where, like, you know, one guy's fighting a, a, a giant dinosaur, gets kicked through the floor, and then in another panel, you know, it's another fight, and then they crash through. But if you don't realize that, like, that's the lay of the land and what's going on, it could all just come off as very, very, very confusing. And so, for the most part, 86 avoids that by having most of the conflicts kind of you don't really see what's going on in a fight they they tend to give you little moments for like individuals in it and if there's like a big emotional thing that has to happen then they just focus on that but they will often like cut out whole parts of a action scene in fact I've, they've off-screened whole battles just to like get to the emotional climax where like shanae has to kill someone or, or a character that we like is gonna get overwhelmed and die but it very rarely do you get just like okay what the fuck is going on so yeah they did more of that in this episode and they did it very competently so i kind of part of me doesn't wish that it was a different show but like oh man if this had been much more of a military focused sci-fi action series i think i would i would get a lot out of that as much as i'm getting out of all of the character drama so that was that was one thing that stuck out to me yeah i also really enjoyed uh, basically spider lady because of the female representation in the show mm, yeah like it's it's got a real like strong like women who really don't put up with men shit and have their own goals vibe going True. and uh, it's i'm not gonna say that like elizabeth was the first but i think that watching elizabeth's journey into who she was over the first core that was like part of it that made me enjoy it but for her to come out of nowhere and say like hey i was on the front lines as a child also that was a so great like, story I, so yeah so like i can relate to like where y'all are coming from she was like i'm not a fan of sending y'all out here but y'all want to fucking go out here so i'm about to you know we're we gonna we're gonna do we're gonna make it do but also her confidence actually comes from somewhere because she got to where she was by herself mm. it wasn't like oh uh, uh commander is everything and uh, you get to listen to him and then it's like no like this is my shit i run this shit and that's it like yeah no there's a lot of there was so much that so this kind of goes back to something that we've also chatted about it for other series like back arrow um where where you could you could theoretically create a one-dimensional character that just serves a particular role there's nothing wrong with one-dimensional characters, whether they're comedy characters, serious characters, adversaries, allies, whatever it is, you know, the number of dimensions does not necessarily make a character better, it, whatever the role is. However, when a story goes out of its way to add layers to a character, even if it's in very short order and it's only to serve one particular point, it helps a lot to get over weirder and wackier or less believable stuff. So in that one scene, because we really didn't know much about her, right? Because if you add up all the time we spent with, I'm going to call Spider General, whatever her name is. But up, what, what was the first thing we, we saw with her? It was uh, in a meeting with Ernst, to, you know, talking about, it was not a meeting, excuse me, it was in, a, it was in a, the uh, transport where they were all discussing, like, 
Um, you know, they wanted to get their hands on all this technology, and so she was very excited for that. Then you don't really see her again for a very long time, and the next time it's all about, like, you know, the invitation to come join this test battalion, but it's still, again, we don't know anything about her, other than, like, she seems to have a kind of pleasant demeanor, but is also kind of no-nonsense. In this episode, we actually got a lot of character development for her. We see her, at, frankly, at work. And not getting shut down by men and standing up. And we, we could tell that she's intelligent. She's smart. She's very driven. She has like a, a view of the tactics and the strategy of the war and plan. So that's cool. That's like important. Then you get the scene where they're talking about the... And I cannot pronounce these new uh, juggernaut types. Because that was the whole argument. Oh, the, what? The, the Reagan leaves? Is it Reagan, Reagan leaves? Reagan leaves? Yeah. Whatever they are. They're... They're having that discussion, and in that, A, it's kind of a gag. It starts with a gag, because it's all about Shin not wanting to uh, change the name in his own head of what they are, and then they're going back and forth over language, and then she kind of gives up. But in the process of that, comedy also reveals a couple things. Good things that you mentioned before, but also some blind spots that even she has as a person, right? Because, like, yes, she is against having these young children because it's easy to forget that they're all supposed to be under the age of 16. I think with maybe like one exception, I think is Anju the oldest of them. Maybe she's 17 yeah. or 18 years old. Yeah. Yeah. But, she's the, yeah. I think so. Yeah. But, but the rest of them are all under they're 16 and under. And so she, again, repeats, I, I'm part of that group of people in this country that does not think that this is, you know, morally acceptable to do. However, X, Y, Z. But then she also kind of repeats the same overconfidence in their understanding of the war, which is the setup for whatever bad shit is going to go down in the next episode. And fr frankly, I'm surprised all of the 86 characters are so blasé about it. Like, I, they're kind of like resigned. They're like, oh, well, you know, this place ain't perfect. These these niggas are crazy, too. Or they, they don't see what's coming. I can only oh, do so man. much. Do you know what? That fucking enraged me while I was watching it when he was walking down the hallway where Homeboy was giving him a report and mm -hmm. then one guy almost tried to shoulder checked him and oh, was funny. back at him. Yeah, he looked like, nigga, oh, what? <laughs> oh my god. I was like, you niggas are so stupid. I was like, you probably wouldn't be alive if that nigga wasn't yeah. at the base right now. And they mentioned that there's still some discrimination, which I think is a good thing to say because it would be very tempting to cast the the Federacy, as if it was like this perfect society compared to the other two societies that we know about so far in the story, uh, both of which being autocratic, um, racist societies. It's also interesting that when we got more of um, uh, uh, Frederica's sort of backstory about all the time before the Legion were unleashed on oh, everybody. Oh, that shit was that shit was fucked. It was. Oh it was. God. It was totally fucked up. And I think, you know, maybe you can speak to that part as well. But, like, the, the little nugget that I pulled out of it was they really cast the old um, Jihad kingdom or whatever it was before as a repressive autocratic monarchy. And that the revolution that happened, it's really funny because they take all these little elements from, like, the real world. It sounded like the Russian revolution and and you know the way it was like the people rose up against the monarchy and we had we had nothing left and all that other shit i was like that's a, it's a good idea to humanize both sides of that country because at the end you're you have to if you don't if you don't uh empathize at all with Fred, frederica her character is a failure like she kind of has to be empathetic so 
they did a really good job again of adding layers to a lot of the supporting cast in this episode. But what were your thoughts about that that backstory dump, which was both creepy and interesting? I mean, I I thought it was a really good setup for the the new antagonist that's coming in. Yeah, thank you. Thank you for that. That that's what I thought it was. Um because we don't know anything about him, but now um after all that shit, I think Frederica probably going to die. You think so? Because uh, the reason what the fact that that nigga literally was so triggered by her supposed death that he sacrificed himself to the legion because he knew what them niggas was gonna do just specifically so he could get revenge yeah on the rebellion so what i think might end up fucking happening and i mean i could be wrong but you know i wouldn't put it past this show is that they get to a point where you know they getting fucked up and you know one of them about to die and frederica has made it very clear that she does not want any of them to die um that homeboy shin and them probably gonna be fighting homeboy and homeboy gonna fuck them up somehow or like get them in a crazy ass situation and frederica is gonna have to show herself and uh the mind of that guy is basically gonna be like oh well that means that i did all of this for nothing so she has to be dead so then he's gonna kill her and then he's gonna have his reasoning back basically be like (laughs) see she's dead so like but like i feel like because the brother was insane yes when he was inside the thing So I'm thinking like I could see some fucked up shit like that happening where he's just like, well, now she's she actually is dead and I have a reasoning to be pissed. So I'm about to kill you. Like I can that. Yes, I I'm not going to say that's going to happen. But if it did, I literally would be like, this did not shock me in the least. Like you niggas are cold. You niggas are cold. Yeah, I'll keep it a buck. And I think that um, they're going to use her as maybe a vehicle for some other characters to die. And that's not necessarily a bad thing either, because that's sort of that—that that was the explanation for the mascot system in the first place. Like a lot of people are going to throw themselves in front of bullets for this girl, and uh, it's going to suck. So, I mean, I think that's a—that's an—that—that's an important aspect of what's going down. But I—I I don't know if I—if all the death flags are necessarily on her. Um, I—I I don't know. I have no. Um, no strong feelings about that one way or the other. It could possibly be that way. One of the things that um, I think is a... It is kind of a problem with the series is that it hasn't done a great job of establishing a lot of good antagonists to drive action. It's very good about the the using the world building in order to create drama. So, like, mm-hmm. that's a strength that other series oftentimes fail at. It's a... To be, a, I would say it's actually a lot harder to do that part than to, you know, get a reasonably exciting antagonist. Because so far, the closest we had was Shanae's brother, who was j- kind of introduced like six or seven episodes in. And I felt that that was a little late, given that so much of the story and the character motivation for Shin and most of the unit pretty much revolved around his revenge mission against his brother. And we didn't know... Or learn anything about that character until too late. And then as a Legion, it's not really a character. It's just sort of this mindless ghost of a person that we don't know very well. So, okay, yeah. fine. Then we're in, we're in like, the second act. And once again, it's another... Frankly, it's also weird. It's from the same clan or the same family as Shin. So I'm like, okay... 
that's a little convenient, but fine. Frederick but is But also, like, they said that he wasn't directly related. He correct. He was adopted into the clan. So he doesn't have a blood power. Yeah, right. So when Frederica was like, oh, well, he's not really that closely related to you, whatever. I was like, eh, okay. Then why did that character need to be... What was the... From a writer's point of view, what is the point of that connection? Is it that to explain why Frederica is so comfortable around... Shanae so quickly because he looks like his long distance relative and they are blood related because she said he kind of looked like him but he, they just didn't have the same eye color so I don't so I guess what I'm, get, what I'm getting at is it's a little convenient that the next bad guy is another member of Shin's family who also had like a, a crazy horrible death and was in mentally entombed in the legion just like Shin's brother. Like that's we're getting we're getting to the point where we're repeating plot elements and I don't mind if it's a repetition but I want that repetition to matter to the story. And if it's like in that line where it's like well he he's your kinsman but he's also not related. I felt like they kind of deflated both ends of that. Like if he was related, now we got some intrigue. What the hell is going on with this Nozen family that they seem to wind up being in charge of big detachments of the Legion and they're all coming out to kill specific people. But by not saying that and deliberately going away from it, it's like, well then what was the point of the relation? Like she could have just had that story about, you know, uh this guy who worked with her was related to to Shin who died and then like the big mastermind of the legion could just be something else more compelling or more interesting so i'm not i wasn't a big fan of that part of the reveal but Uh i i i went along with it because that's where the story is going and i still don't even really think that the legion is the real antagonist here i think it's still probably going to be their old country whatever state it happens to be in when they finally get done I also part. was interested that they said those that some other countries are actually still existed and were holding out. Yep. So that was interesting too. They did some again world building, good drama, setting up drama for next episode where we know mad people are about to get wiped off the face of the earth. I think that's good to great. And um you know, the game they band back together this episode, you kind of got to see a little bit bits and bobs of the old characters that we like. But you know they were always supporting characters, so they don't they don't gotta do much. They just gotta be yeah. there to be like Shin, Shin, Shin. <laughs> Fine. Which is exactly what happened. Yeah, so. yeah. So I'm I'm with all of that. Uh, but the, I now now we're sort of getting a finger pointed at what is the destination of this season, and it's clearly gonna be fighting against this part of the Legion that's controlled by uh, whatever this guy's name is, <laughs> Brain. <laughs> yeah so, i don't even remember his fucking name it, it don't it don't even matter so it's cool i i'm i'm uh if i had to like score the episode i'd give it a b plus um yeah but overall i like where the season is going it's just this happens to be a weakness i think of the of the writing agreed agreed all right all so what's right. oh we have uh aristocrat assassin yeah this episode was very interesting well, I just like all the like the the hints at the things to come in the future. Um, I'm very much so interested in uh, what he's planning to do with the what is it the fair the far stones? Yes, which the are stones? which which as far as we can tell are like nuclear like weapons. <laughs> They're like nukes if he gets his hands on them. Yeah, I'm so like I'm assuming that he is going to like 
that put a shit ton of his mana into like multiples and then just like give it to the hero and then basically be like boom nigga like may- maybe i mean first of all we don't really know what his assassination technique is um yet because we haven't really seen him like stalk anyone or like try to like find anyone yet because we're still in like the early aspects of it but also speaking on a few things um uh the <laughs> there were several um lines um in this episode that made me look look sideways Uh-oh. especially i i promise you a wonderful first time yeah and shit like like that well that's you just know one. that's the author come on yeah i was like the author's having a lot of fucking fun with this yeah. shit because their their relationship is definitely like brother and sister correct but oh man um and then the, the ending i thought i was Oh, wow. The ending actually, like, gave me, like, redo of Healer flashbacks. That's the point. The same, they even used the same facial, uh... Yes! Oh, my God, the slobber? Yeah, that was a, that was the... (laughs) You could have just put that in the other, the other series, it would have been fine. Um... Which, I mean, I'm I'm not mad that it was in this one, because it's not, like, you know, torturing for torturing's sake. Like, you know, for, like, pleasure. But... When he chopped homegirl's hand off, I was like, oh, nigga, same, same author, of course. Like, yeah, yeah. oh, my God. And then her, like, immediate turn, and she said the dad, she said the dad, if the, the dad told her that she convinced him and all that, and he just immediately just, like, uh, uh, I don't know. Yeah. Anyways. I mean, he probably I wasn't lying. Love... If his son wasn't up to it, he probably, she probably would have lived. Like yeah. he was, because <laughs> that nigga's a beast. Yeah, he's a yeah, he's a fucking yeah. Uh he's a tool, which that also was very interesting to me where he had that moment where he was like contemplating the question his dad had asked him and I was like, "Oh, so you you still have to learn how to have emotions and like yeah. feel about things. Like outside of just, you know, having emotions for his family and his mom and dad and shit like that. Like you actually have to have like emotions towards like, you know, what you are doing. You can't just be a tool again." Not that yeah. his dad knows that he was a tool, but I think he might have to have some coming to terms with that where he can't just, like, you know, shut it off all the time. Like, he is going to have to, like, feel something for someone because it's probably not, it will, not probably, it's never going to be black and white. Like, it's always going to be some gray shit. Like, and I think that might hit him the hardest. But my favorite part of the episode was them literally figuring out the magic. <laughs> Yeah, like, I have a lot of feelings about that. Good ones, but go on. Oh, okay. Well, yeah, go. I mean, I, yeah, that was pretty much all my well, stuff. Well, I don't, I don't want to, I don't want to get too far ahead because I did want to go back to something you had mentioned earlier about um, sort of what, what is the, what is the show actually doing here? Because it could just be another exercise in uh, indulgent pornography, which is what um, redo of healer for the most part is. It's got a little bit more redeeming qualities than that. Not a lot more, but a little bit more. <laughs> um, but this could easily be the same thing. You kind of have an overpowered uh, main character and no real actual connections to the world that he's in because he's, he's been isekai into it. So his life, you know, was the life he had before. And then, um, you know, you set up these situations where it becomes morally permissible to horribly murder people if he wants to. So you could uh, the story doesn't necessarily have to be about much more than that. But I what I enjoy about it is that there there's a two secondary questions that are brought up all the time, at least over the first few episodes. Um, the first one has to do with this philosophical debate about uh, that you mentioned 
um, uh, as to like what is the nature of um, being a person with exceptional skills or is it fine to just be a tool or is there something beyond that something bigger some other higher purpose that you can serve as you live and grow you know in that environment so that that they've they've wrestled with that over three episodes lou himself um even his old his old life when he's having that conversation with the goddess is essentially mulling that over and that and his initial decision is i want to live for myself so he kind of comes to not necessarily an answer but a direction so that's that's one element that doesn't have to be there if they didn't want to. And the second uh-huh. the second piece is um his commitment to having what we would call like a normal or pleasant life um that he missed out on in his old life. And so trying to figure out how to he doesn't know the answer to that, but like the way his his parents who are actually crazy people. So let's be very clear. These are psychopaths. Um psychopathic <laughs> murderers. But the the world that he kind of gets to live in with his father when he's not in, like, assassin mode and his mother who just... She clearly knows everything's going on, doesn't give a fuck, but, like, she just wants to dote on her kid and doesn't really seem to care that he is the living equivalent of, an, of like, a weapon of mass destruction. Like, she doesn't care about that shit. Like, his commitment to having, like, that side of his life be fulfilling is another philosophical quandary to be in. And again, that didn't have to be a part of the story at all. You know, they could have eased, the story could have been written where he's this master assassin, but he's just born into this idyllic aristocrat's lifestyle. And it's his desire to be an assassin and continue that or being drawn into it by virtue of the goddess's promise that he made. That could be like a duality. But the idea that his parents are also aware and facilitating and teaching him and doing all these things, it's like, it's really cool. It's like, um, this is usually a criticism, and you'll hear this from from like movie critics or like art critics. It's this idea of like putting a hat on a hat. Basically, if you're wearing a hat as an embellishment, that's cool. But what's the point of putting a second hat on top of the hat you have? It goes from being like a fashion statement to like something that looks ludicrous. And yeah. and so like having him be a master assassin and then be born into an isekai fantasy world family of master assassins when he could have just started over could feel like a hat on a hat kind of situation but it actually works out because it lets him with adult got gu- other adult you know in the room and with adult guidance walk through these philosophical questions in a way that actually is unique like i haven't seen anything that's quite like this i'm not saying it's high art or anything like that it's definitely super self-indulgent and borderline pornography at some point like murder porn or torture porn or whatever you want to call it like it's just indulgent but it's not pointless so that that i really enjoy that about watching the series is that there does in fact seem to be a point to all the exposition and shit um but maybe you could talk a little bit more about the magic system that they worked out in this episode because i think it's really interesting i mean i don't even know if i fully fully fucking understand it so it's more so about um, uh, a set incantation um, uh, and then changing uh, the like one part of it to bring about a different result. Mm-hmm. Is that what it is? Yeah, it, it really sounded like computer code. 
Yeah. Okay. That's what I was. That's what. Okay. It, that's what it, it like. I'm not very familiar with coding, but like I've done like you know I've dabbled in those like you know random like free. Yeah, or just using that, Excel or like you know yeah. the, the formulas in Excel. Like it's a real formula driven magic system where I like that line that that he that Lou said to Dia when they were figuring it out. He's like, oh, it totally makes sense. You all have been conditioned to believe that the magic is derived from the gods, but it's actually derived from the formula. And then there's a rule that clearly seems to be that, like, you, unless you're given the formula, you can't execute any new magic because it'll just fail in the way that it failed for Dia. But because he had chosen that skill that allowed him to create new abilities, which is an ability, I guess anyone if he could gives get. them the new thing then they can do it yeah and i thought that was a clever workaround that is overpowered and, and kind of silly but at the same time was it's not an ass pull we learned all of these components of what would be the solution in we the first episode with them. Yeah. yeah and it was also foreshadowed in the first episode like you know he had an the ability spell to make, weaver yeah right so again this is just the little stuff where if you give the foreshadowing, even if it's a minor point, it makes the silly kind of contrived reveals later work out and actually feel earned. So I really like that they spent a lot of time in this episode pouring over how does how do the abilities work. Because that will also probably come into play later when he is faced with other competition and all of a sudden what he's doing makes sense. Like when he created the guns... Or the essentially the concept. I don't know if they had like firearms in that way, but using magic to recreate his original fighting style, which was very projectile oriented. Yeah, I, thought was I didn't very know. Cool. I didn't know if guns were part of this world yet already because she didn't freak out. No, about it. No. So I don't know if like they're a regular thing or whatever. But then I also liked how they reeled the shit in and made it like real time. Where she was like, yeah, I can't make a cannon because I don't have the same kind of magic power as you. Right, like, right. I can only do some shit like this. And then I think so for her to make new magic spells in the future, does she have to write it down and then send it to him? And then he has to send it back to her. I think, so that yeah. she can use it. Yeah, I think he like she has to write it down. Then he goes, tries the magic and then writes down a copy of his own and then yeah. send it back to her. And then she can use it indefinitely after that. Okay, that makes sense. Okay, because in the moment I was like, "Now wait the wait a fucking second. I was like, it, I, "I think I understood that, but I didn't." Okay, but yeah, so that makes that just like interesting in and of itself. And I really loved how she was like, "Oh my god, like my love for magic is like renewed." Yeah, and, you know all this kind of shit like that. But it also gives me a strange inkling that like the hero is going to be so fucking ridiculously overpowered, which is great. That's like, actually fantastic. <laughs> like, yeah, I feel like because. I think that's what we're leading towards. I think we're leading towards like all this like ooh and ow and wow over him right now. And I think once the hero comes, like all that shit's probably going to be like not even barely enough. Like it's going to be the bare minimum just to maybe even like like barely keep up with the hero. Like not kill him. No, but it's very important that they mention all the time whenever like the, the lead has a feat or he accomplishes something or just like completely overpowers some adversary that they make the point that this isn't enough to take down the hero because yeah you know going back to the some of the challenges in in other shows establishing a end game and a 
definitive antagonist or antagonistic situation that has to be overcome is so important to just structuring the whole story so that the audience understands as the hero grows what they are growing towards this is exactly why you know people complain that like one piece is a million chapters episodes long oh my god i can't get into it but the thing about one piece is in the first minute of the first episode it tells you exactly where we're going exactly it tells you the destination already so you know that like anything that you're seeing any kind of power scaling or events or feats or other things like they are marching us and our hero forward through growth towards the goal that we already know is laid out a lot of other series because they are i don't really i don't want to say like more poorly written because there's a million ways to tell a story but if you rely on the mystery of not really knowing sort of what the destination is oh it's the journey it can sometimes be difficult to cast your heroes or your or your protagonist if it's multiple people um their their place in that story at any given time because who knows something could like step out of the shadows and you know be 10 times more powerful this is a big problem in like battle um shonen is that you know you have an idea for a cool thing your your main characters are doing but you never really thought about what the end game for the antagonist is so you just there's never a feeling of like anyone knows what's going on and it can really be off-putting or make things feel like they come out of nowhere so i also oh, like like yeah. bleach oh 100 like bleach 100 like bleach it's the Which... there's a, it's a dragon ball problem too as it get as it got on oh. as well Oh yeah, I mean, I mean, okay. I was, I was about to say because I was about to do a one piece rant, right? It's there, the same. I no, like, I nope. mean, yeah. I was like, really? Well, no, it, not, not the, not in that vein, but also the, the one piece rant about like you know the journey, like people talking about, oh, it's the journey, it's not about the end game, but stuff like that. But like one piece also has the journey down packed because. Uh, We've had several arcs reminding them niggas of how weak they are. Yes. Like, and uh, yet it still made all the fucking sense because it's like, well, yeah, they all literally just like randomly got together as a ragtag. And like we had that end goal, but the closer they get to the end goal, the like crazier shit gets because the power scaling, like them niggas, they're niggas that have been on that journey since before them niggas were born. Yeah. So it's like. Yeah, anyway, yeah, anyways. No, no, you're you're 100% right. That's sort of the the dark arts of storytelling is that it there has to be some measuring stick that you are constantly providing for the audience so they can understand where where you are in the journey, right? It's not all about like what the characters are feeling, doing or saying. It's also really about like do I do I as a as a viewer or reader feel like there has been some great moment of catharsis where things have moved forward towards the goal. If you never, if you ever watched or read something and feel like, oh, it's just not going anywhere, um, that's where that feeling is coming from because it's not being communicated well. So, again, Aristocrat Assassin is not high art, and I'm not out here claiming no, that, that it's like... No, but this shit the, is so much fun yeah and it's doing a lot of the basics well which is to me sometimes not sometimes most of the time more important than like having some amazing uh height that you want to get to like that if that opening action sequence that we got in episode um one with uh the you know him as an adult taking down those um the The brothel yeah the brothel slave auction thing if that's about as good as say like the animation ever gets or the the 
you know, the construction of some of these action sequences ever goes to, the, the show would be fine. It'll be perfectly fine. It doesn't, you don't have to like. But if we get the shit that we got with the ad, with the opening. I then... mean, that's different. I mean, oh if you, boy. You get, oh, right, right. Boy. Which I think is cool. It has, um, uh, if you, I'm not a big, I don't love the theme. It's not bad at all. It's interesting and different once it gets past its little opening um, uh, stanza. Like, it is actually an interesting song. But, like, the visuals and everything else are, they, they uh, what's the right way to say it? Like, they, they imply a lot more depth than maybe the show is going to get to. So, oh, yeah. Yeah, which I, I like. I, I see what you mean with that. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah. Like, I don't think, for example, this is going to be a, what was that? Um, Man, now I'm, now I'm really forgetting. There was a, a series. It was, like, set in the 1920s. And it was, like, um half assassin, half, like, detective. Akka. Well, Akka, that's another one. That, I guess that probably, like, Akka is a great example of, like, they wanted, there's, what the show appears to be about the story, what the story really is. And then also what the show really is. Cause the show is actually just a, uh, a food tour across a fantasy sci-fi, whatever contemporary world. Cause that's all that happens. Every episode is they go to a new place. They talk about all the food and all the other stuff that's there. And then there's and then like the friend is in the background. The friend is in the background. And there's yeah. like there's like five minutes out of the episode of like whatever the underground shit that's happening in that zone is. And then they leave and they move on to the next place. So like the it, but but I would just say it's just not it's deliberately not exciting because it's trying to lull you into more of the the vibe of the show. And all the different places and the the, the story so breadcrumbs. There's a a night a nineteen a show set in nineteen twenty. Yeah, was it? it was within the last five years. I'll I'll remember it at a later date. But the point is that like that was a the there are series where what's important is Not all the Moriarty, cl- right? No, 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 no. It's like where the but what I'm saying is like this show could have been more about the cloak and dagger side of assassination. But this is much more indulgent. So it's going to be like big guns, big explosives like magic just killing horrible people really more like a comic got kill and redo and like you know like that vein of stuff oh yeah 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 and i think i mentioned the triage x comparison last week but i felt it even stronger this week because the way they killed that girl at the end was was so was so triage x it, it it hurt in a good way like it's the it's the same shit i love it i'm i'm a big fan um so it was a good episode i was i was entertained and then it ended and i'm like man i want more so that's really all you can really ask for yeah that's what i keep that's what i keep coming back to is that is that if by the end of the episode i'm like fuck it's over mm-hmm. then you're yeah then they're doing their job like that i mean which that's a whole other thing because i keep hearing all these these shits about pays and people not getting paid and well that's it and i'm like brah come on that's Don't let this problem. shit fucking collapse. Um, are there any other scraps? Because I have a couple, and maybe we probably watched them as well. But I, I have know, not caught up on Platinum End. Oh, it's good. It's interesting. Yeah, I, I, I somehow I haven't been spoiled, but I keep hearing that like it's getting better and better. So I'm like, okay, good. But I have like a good two days of like catch up time. Yeah, you'll be fine. Because and it, it's there's not a lot, lot of shit. It's it's um, taking it's it's meandering, which is good. It needs to do that to set some other things up. But it's uh, some cool shit happened at the end of this week's episode that uh, I enjoyed quite a bit. 
Yeah. Um. What What else was there? Oh, so I watched the first two episodes of Osama Ranking, and I think that might be my favorite show of the year. So talk to me about that show because just the the still images that I've seen of it, I have no idea what it is. The show is about a world where different kingdoms exist. So, you know, like a medieval-esque. It's based in medieval-esque shit. And uh, they have this thing. They have a ranking of kings. Okay. Um, uh, they haven't gone into much detail about the ranking of the kings, but the story focuses on the first son of a kingdom. Um, his name is Boji, and uh, he is deaf. He's Ooh. a deaf prince. Yeah. And uh, when I tell you, like, at first, I was like, oh, a deaf prince. I was like, okay, that's interesting. But when they go, like, uh just seeing the way that he like interacts with stuff and then I, I cried in both episodes. Oh, first and no. second episode. I cried. I cried. Because uh, Yeah, I, I can't I can't spoil it. But there's some shit that happens. Uh, the first episode, are uh, you cry because you're like, oh, okay, humans are just shitty. But <laughs> the second episode, it's like I was I had full on fucking waterworks because there's also um this like shadow like being um, named Kage, um, who is definitely going to be the second, like, um, uh, um, uh, protagonist, and they go into his background in the second episode, and I was like, oh my god, are you kidding me? And then what happens after they go into his background, and then what leads up to the climax of the second episode, I was like, bitch, can I hand, and it's 24 episodes, I'm like, bitch, I don't know if I can do this, this, it's, it is so good, like, it's not even, first of all, it doesn't need Sakuga, because uh, the source material itself, like the plot, the way that they handle, it's it's more so about like the way that the people around Boji interact and react to what he does and what he is capable of. Mm. And so like you have his dad, who's the current king, who is dying, clearly, like he's coughing up blood in his bed while he's talking to Boji. Um, you've got his little brother, who's like a little shit, but also Boji has like stunted growth. Because apparently he was born under a cursed moon or some shit. So I that was also I can't. I can't. But that's the thing, though. <laughs> no, it, it's it's not all it's not all like suffering. Okay. Like it, it's it's not all suffering. I say this as someone who was just gloating about what great storytelling it was to chop off some lady's hand. Yeah, okay, and watch yeah, her yeah. Die. Like, <laughs> so I think don't this, take me too seriously. Storytelling, yeah, this storytelling is more so about um emotional appeals. Uh-huh. And like um uh, you know, um, how people treat disabled people and also how disabled people overcome their disabilities. That's really good. So, but also you got the mix in with like, you know, the fantasy elements and stuff. I haven't seen any magic yet, but it, it definitely exists. So it's very interesting because the, the, uh, well, no, I don't want to say that. I, I just watch Osama ranking y'all. It is so good like and i don't i can't even say that it gives me like odd taxi vibes but i can say that like i 100 think that this will be like the sleeper hit of the next two seasons like i just i know by the end of it people are going to be like this show this was fucking amazing oh like, that's good this is this is fucking phenomenal like the first both episodes have just been so good and now i'm like scheduling my Thursday around being able to watch it as soon as it dropped. One of the interesting world building aspects of Sakugan, which are these abandoned areas where 
clearly no one no humans are living and no one knows anything about them and i want to know more there's world building that uh i think that the story is capable of delivering on this stuff and it's a genuinely like interesting plot and it feels like a more wholesome slightly more comedic made in abyss just setting wise and the direction of some parts of the story uh which i really like so that's just a general update on on that show i really enjoy it week to week it is something i look forward to even though it's not as like hype as some other stuff um besides that what else did i watch tacked up destiny episode three which i i won't say any more than that the backstory is more or less complete where now we know how they got to the point they were in episode one and yeah it's good. It's just really good. It's great to look at. Solid voice acting. You know, now that I understand like the main character's motivations a bit more, like it makes his relationship with um, Destiny a lot more interesting than I thought it was going to be. Because in episode one, they're kind of just very annoyed with each other. So I mm-hmm. thought this was one of those like odd couple type uh, relationships where like maybe he didn't really want to be partnered with this person, and that's why they don't get along. No, actually. He was like a, you know, borderline, borderline autistic um, music guy with like no social skills who finally was like coming out of his shell with a girl who could, you know, really see who he really was. And then she's fucking blown apart mostly and reborn as this like killing doll that has no memory of her past life. Basically a whole new person. So like, she's, okay. she's definitely different than the rest of them. Oh yeah, she's but... way different. There's all kinds of, I don't know if you've seen the episode, but like. There's a the process. Oh yeah, that, the third. Yeah, the third episode. Yeah, I've seen the third episode. Yeah, 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 yeah. So like, yeah. So she's very different. So I just, I, I, I like that they use the two episodes to just catch us up to episode one because it felt like there might have been like a much bigger backstory, but no, they were at the beginning of their journey right there, and like his attitude towards destiny is like that's so exasperated in that first episode is really more like I'm getting to know this person for the first time and they are not listening to me and they're gonna get me killed. Like yeah. that, that makes a lot more sense. So I, I enjoyed that. And there was some really, really good animation also in this episode with the, um, the two new, the conductor and the other girl. I thought their, their dynamic because she's much more lively. I thought there, I thought all the uh, music arts, um, characters Designs. were going to be like, well, I thought that just their characters were going to be like robots, but it's like, no, 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 no. That's it's just destiny. Yeah. Cause I don't know if I could deal with a series where like half of the cast were like unfeeling, emotionless killing but machines it also is fucked up that like they lose their complete like memory and life from beforehand yes that is utterly have, fucked yeah just because they have the potential to become the thing so i would just like to appreciate the show for having a gay male that isn't like hypersexualized the entire time. I, I was hoping that you would watch and i want to know what your opinion was on that yeah. character I, he he did he had one line yep. that was flirtatious and that was yep. it that yep, was I'm it. fine with that. That's fine. Yeah, that was that was a okay. But I, the fact that he appeared on screen and I was like, "Gay, he's fam." Got you it. coded. You coded yeah. him immediately. Yeah, I was like, "He's family." <laughs> Got it. But that that it wasn't like immediate. Like, oh, he's cute. Oh, you're cute. What are you? Yeah, it wasn't any like, of that shit. Yeah, no. it was just like, okay, no, he's like, we are we in this shit too, and also 
he is most likely going to be a prominent supporting character because yes. he's already questioning what's going on with the maestro and shit like that. And he's like, oh, you know, 10 years ago and da 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 and this shit and like this, this isn't matching up. And I'm like, oh, so it's not just about you showing up to make Takt, um feel awkward. Beautiful. Yeah. Thank yeah. you. Thank you. Thank you, Mappa and Madhouse. Thank yeah, I think you. His, I think his name was Did Lenny. You hear this, and... Shokugeki no Soma. Thank yeah, you. I think his name was Lenny, and I don't remember what the other one was like. Titan, um, uh, or Titan. Titan, yeah. Titan, yeah. So he, Lenny's character is actually one of my favorite supporting character archetypes in like anime. The whole like uh, experience, like the the experienced veteran who kind of puts on a very like lively. Yeah, they have like two two sides of their personality where like one is really like carefree and kind of lively, and the mm-hmm. other one is very shrewd. And not necessarily calculating, but, like, highly intelligent. And so to have those, like, scenes where, obviously, like, there's stuff Lenny doesn't know and hasn't necessarily communicated to um, Tact and, and uh, uh, Anna. But I, when he goes off screen to go do whatever it is that he's going to do, I know that when he shows back up, it'll be an opportunity to move part of, like, the mysteries of the plot forward. Whereas, like, the main cast can kind of have their road trip and have a good time. So aside from yeah. like his, his coding, I just think he's a really, he, it's one of my favorite like character archetypes period. Like, uh, it, cause it's always like a lot of fun when they're on screen, but then, you know, they can handle business, which we saw in that episode. Like, oh yeah. Homegirl was just like easily dispatching them niggas with that little shotgun. I was like, yeah, that was, that was sick. I love how, was she like, it was, I don't know if she was counting it out, but like that whole, the scene in the forest where she's like going ham I was like, that's great. And then, like, Destiny comes in on the last one and is like, just winds up blowing up the house. Yeah, so like, I was like yeah, so, which it shows the power, like, output difference. How Titan was able to just, like, easily dispatch them. And, like, Destiny is just, like, overdoing it, like, completely. Which Lenny did say she has, like, you know, problems controlling that shit. And we still don't know exactly, like, what is happening to Tact. Like when she starts like popping up like that. Yeah, oh, wait, they, no, wait, are yeah, they drained Len- the life energy? Well, yeah, but like Lenny looked like he kinda knew what that was, but didn't fully explain what was happening there. So again, like happy to see that because there's some intrigue, but it's not the kind of intrigue where it's like if the story can't move along until we find out, like that'll just be some other shit. So I just I thought the episode was like very good at teaching us who these characters are and now we can kind of fast forward to the present and go back and have some fun on the road trip or whatever's going to happen. Maybe it's going to get dark as fuck. I don't know. Also, I don't know if um Schindler and Sagan, the two conductors, did they do you, they I don't know if they caused that attack cuz he they when yeah. during Yeah. Well, the guy, I, I, I mentioned Schindler, it during that episode that they were there right before it happened. Yes, and they even there's a line where he's talking to the conductor who's in the the city. He's like, "Make sure that this is a peaceful event." And then what's the, then the attack happens. Also, you saw the little short thing where there was like a tuning fork that was purple in the ground that Lenny destroys. Yeah. Which then kind of ends the attack. What the fuck was that? <laughs> oh, you know what? That didn't even fucking register to me. I saw that and I was like, oh, a tuning fork. And then I was like, oh, okay. I didn't yeah. even, it didn't even register to me to think that that was something. Ooh. Well, he, he, it was and like it the last thing that happened and then fork. the fight ended. Oh my god. Actually, you know what? I was very confused at the beginning of the episode. I'm not going to lie because it's I had for- because I had forgotten that like last week ended in the beginning of the fight. 
with the beginning right. of the fight. Yes, that's so right. So when yeah. we hopped into it this week, I was like, oh, wow, blah, 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 what's going on? Like, whoa, whoa, shit. I was like, I, I enjoyed it, but I was like, holy shit, which it goes back to my old point or my, my current stance is that, like, these niggas know who is watching and what to give them. Yeah, I agree with that. So, so yeah, that was, that was fun. And um, I also watched Muv Love Alternative because I'm just, like, there's not a lot of, like, mech, hard mecha stuff other than... Um, Kyokai Senki, Kyokai which, Senki uh, yeah, yeah, which uh, I also watched, but I don't have as many like thoughts about because it, it was a lot of like people getting to know each other kind of episode. Yeah, but um, but uh, in Mobile of Alternative, I kind of wanted to make this point when we were talking about eighty six is that I don't play visual novels, and this one, if you watch the first episode, is very action heavy, and I actually like the mecha designs in the series and the sort of bleak, um a post-apocalyptic kind of setting the aliens are all just horrible body horror nightmares and lots of characters die um i because i never watched it never read it and didn't really know very much about the series i didn't realize that like oh it's another one of those like visual novels where most of the primary cast if not all of them are like uh harem bait but then they also all die in horrible horrible ways depending on which of the Jesus. Uh, the the sort of routes you take through the story so in watching this the third episode was the first episode where i felt like i was watching a visual novel because the guy literally mentions like oh on this route I, this thing happens because alternative is supposed to kind of be the good ending of the or one of the better endings that you can get to Kind of have like how you have like um, fate, and then you have like stay night, then you have like heaven's feel, and I think there's like the, obviously there's like the mainline story, but like some of the side stories have air quotes like better or worse endings. So this I think is like oh. the this. So I think alternative is kind of like having done the whole story once before, doing it again, but choosing the right options or knowing ahead of time like what things are going to happen. So there's a really interesting like way that it play the characters play off each other. That, as a, someone who doesn't read visual novels, I was like, oh, is this what that experience is like when you've gone through the story once and you kind of know what to avoid? And they do find interesting ways to have his prior knowledge not necessarily work out the way you would expect in a series where, you know, being om- omni- uh, omniscient about the future would give, would you would think would give a lot of advantages. And that, in fact, it kind of fucks up and they deal with they talk a lot about like time travel theories and um you know i don't want to get too deep into it but it was it was more reasonable than i would have expected but i am almost over the like new girl of the week popping up and it's like oh this is waifu number six and i'm like i don't care about any of this shit the only saving grace the only saving grace is that they can all die horrible horrible deaths i mean like being devoured alive bisected by like eye lasers like yeah like it like there was even a scene i mean i guess if you were a reader you would know who these characters were but i guess he made some choice to try to like stop a major war from breaking out and as a result it it sent off a unit of people that that had a character among that unit who he would have known from his prior past but didn't realize and so they show these like more hot girls getting into mecca and going out to fight but then then in like a little side screen they're they they died as a result of that and he doesn't know it yet which i thought was like hilarious shit (laughs) yeah so it's um 
I actually like it. I'm, I'm enjoying it. I don't know if I like it enough to go back and watch the older series, because I think there were two seasons worth of one. Someone correct me if I'm wrong. I think that there were like two seasons, at least one season prior to this, from like maybe five or ten years ago. Because I've heard of it before as being a brutal ass show to watch. But um, yeah, I'm, I'll probably continue to watch it, at least until... Like, they, they haven't even gotten their fucking mecha yet. I've seen everyone else fight except for them. So I want to, like, I want to get that out of my system. And then Kyokaiseki was just, um, again, setting up what the, the supporting cast is going to be. Uh, yeah. But there was some good combat animation, and we kind of got an antagonist mecha, which I'm down for. So that's what it was. Yep. Same thoughts. Cool. So that's it. That's, that's basically everything of note that I watched this week. Yeah, I mean, did I watch anything? I mean, nothing else really stood out like Osama. So, yeah, Osama. Um, cool. So I guess we can go. Oh, well, I guess I'll save this until after the news. Um, well, actually, no. Let me just go ahead and get through this right now. Um, so Fena ended. I'm going to try to do as little spoilers as possible because i know a lot of people really didn't get into it but they are looking at it and want to get into it and i do know some people like hopped on my stream and they said that they were gonna like watch all of it once it finished so like they just started um so i just want to say finna when i think of a series or like a newer series i think would i recommend this to someone and would i recommend this to a beginner person someone who has been watching anime for a minute or someone who is just like deep in the dirt like i am and i would say i would recommend this to people i would not recommend this to a first time anime watcher i would recommend this to someone who literally just wants something to watch and just like you know and you know i just need to you know i just want a, a new show to watch something that if they're not like super judgy about like the quality of it then yeah i would recommend finna if they're looking for something that has like a finite ending with like no plot holes and like a decent character development this is not their show <laughs> this is not their show i will say and you said it previously that like it has the american pacing yeah it does it has the american pacing but the ending of it is also extremely adult swim and i don't it's so like it it gave me showing up on a saturday night at like 12 12 30 and turning the cartoon network and like watching like the the third to last episode of like lelouch out of nowhere hmm. <laughs> and, basically, and like not knowing what the that's fuck pretty was going heavy on. that's like, pretty heavy yeah like not knowing anything that's going on but still basically being like oh but i still i love this show I'm, I'm gonna watch this shit so like i feel like maybe finna was like drafted <laughs> to have that appeal because with the final episode even if you watch the entire fucking season there were still so many plot holes that i was like wait no you can't but no what about the mama and then wait okay so who was actually the daddy and then wait so is, is it done it did it end on a cliffhanger or did it actually have a definitive ending it the ending was something um the 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 eden storyline is over okay so there's more but no there isn't oh okay. well I, I can't tell you because it would it literally would spoil okay, like fine, one of the fine, biggest fine, twists fine. about like what happens so like yeah the, the well i will say the eden storyline is over but they have not hinted at a new storyline but then i went i went to like Crunchyroll's twitter and shit like that and people are begging for a season two and i'm just gonna let y'all know we don't need that shit if it's gonna be more of this and 
<laughs> I just want to say that the biggest plot hole, and this is what pissed me off, and I'm about to I'm about to say this part. So if do you, it, do your if thing. You, if you haven't gotten to the part where they talk about Sheetan's brother, then you know skip ahead a bit, and oh, when shit. we get to the new segment. But I just want to let y'all know that this is one of the most frustrating things that a show can do. You do not spend an entire episode building up someone as an antagonist, and then you never give them screen time. Ever. Oh. They spent an entire episode and then following episodes being worried about Shitan's brother showing up and that Yukimaru always loses to Shitan's brother and that Shitan's brother literally had what like three lines in the Wait, show. What? Like three li- yeah, he had three lines and what? they were all flashback lines. What? They were all flashback lines. So I'm like, so you spent this entire episode where the group split up because some people like, actually, no. Yeah, the group split up or they had their differences because Yukimaru was like, I'm going to go save Finna. And Shitan was the one who was like conspiring with the brother and the old nigga on the island who basically didn't Mm -hmm. like Finna from the beginning. They just wanted to use her as a means to an end for a bigger thing that they got going on with the British government. So I'm like, early on in the series, when all that stuff was brought up, I was like, oh, okay, this is actually intriguing. And these are plot lines that will eventually be explored. Mm -hmm. And they were not. So what you should have done is left it out of the fucking story because we were enjoying it already. But the only thing that I kept thinking at the back of my head during the entirety of the last three to four episodes was when does the brother come in? Because, <laughs> because he's an antagonist. He's a, he's, he's, you have set him up to be a primary antagonist and he has not shown up. Where is he? Where is he? Where is he? And then uh, uh, just... Yeah, just... Well, that fucking sucks. Yeah. So, like... And that was just one thing. There were a few other plot holes that I wasn't as mad about because it just... And some people said that, like, the ending felt rushed. And also, I was expecting, like, a super, like, anime wee, but, like, you know, fuck you, this is anime, anything is possible moment um, at the very end. And we didn't get that. If anything, I would say the ending wasn't even bittersweet. It was kind of just bitter. <laughs> so which which is no which is a which is a I, I i i will give the show kudos for that for the show basically going along the path of uh, yeah everything isn't always like rainbow and sunshines like sometimes this shit just like this shit happens and you just have to move on and live your life so okay well, I, will app- I will appreciate that but yeah i feel like everything i've said probably has discouraged you completely <laughs> No, so I watch. So here's the here's the thing. I watched the first six episodes. Oh, um, so you've seen that episode? Yeah, I've seen some. Well, I shouldn't say all of it. I watched the beginning of episodes. Well, you you. I think you've gotten to the episode where Shitan does all the bullshit over his brother, and like they're all afraid of the brother because he's gonna kill them if they like go against the island and shit. Like, Mm -hmm. yeah, yeah, yeah. That I feel like that's within the first six. But but what I want to say is the thing I liked about the series because I kind of marathoned most of it and obviously didn't finish, but just that was I just ran out of time. But the thing I liked about it was that it was this take on that um, Seven Samurai, you know, movie concept. But then instead of attaching them to a village. It, they got attached to a girl who is doing a journey. So it's like, cool. This is, um, it's an old story construction. It's a classic. 
but it's now married to a different type of a, of a story so that you don't necessarily know where all the twists and turns are because like the the seven samurai as like a um archetype of storytelling is all about like getting you like letting you meet all these irredeemable um sort of anti-heroes then attaching them to a very moral crusade and then you kill them off one by one but as you kill them off in each of those scenes you learn something about their redemption and the redemption of their character so you know until you get to the finale and blah 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 right yeah so like like that's that's just the structure of those types of stories but then to take that setup and sort of attach it to a more freewheeling because in seven summer they go to a village and then they you know the village is being harassed by marauders who want their food they're all poor so it's like it's all this stuff that is to get you the viewer emotionally attached to like this impossible crusade um but it takes place in one place so that it's all very stationary and you learn a lot but this is like more of like a uh not quite a road trip but more of like a dramatic journey and so like that's why i like the show i liked it because it was it moved literally like you know, it subverted a couple ideas and, and used some old ones pretty well. And it looked good. And the music was good. So that was my only real attachment to it. It wasn't like, you know, I was happy with some of the earlier plot holes in the storytelling. Um, I kind of hoped that either it was going to be longer, in which case that you have time to, like, fill in the gaps. Yeah, or it needed that, to be longer. Yeah, yeah. or if it wasn't going to be long, that, like, they wouldn't dwell on any of those plot holes as being, ma- like, very... They would imply that they would be very important to the plot, right? Because there's, there's, like, you know, 45-minute OVAs that are really good. They don't ever really address the plot holes, but they get you to the thing that you wanted to see really quickly, and then they get out of there, right? They, you know what I mean? They don't get... They'll get bogged down. So what you're what you're reporting is like the worst of all worlds, where they set up a bunch of shit that they trick you into thinking is very important, yes. and then they run out of time and or they don't care one or the other. Where you find out that it was you shouldn't even have bothered. You should have just like either you the viewer shouldn't have invested, or they the producers and writers should just never have put that in there. Which is like I hate having my time wasted. I'll tell you that right now. But and, I don't have much more to watch in it, so it's not a big deal. Well, yeah, so, like, and I, I, I will agree with you as far as, like, you know, the music, the production value. Like, all that stuff is there, but when it comes to, like, the plot itself and you, like, you know, literally, you know, what's, like, cock-teasing us, basically, on, like, yeah, things that... that yeah, I was like, it, it kind of sucks when we get to the conclusion and you don't give us a proper conclusion on all storylines that you set up. It's kind of like maybe they even gave us those storylines in case like something went awry and they were like, okay, we got to change the ending. So let's right. like, let's make this nigga the let's or like, let's set it up. So like this guy can be the, the, like the end game antagonist all along or something like yeah. that. Yeah. Like, that it, it was giving me that kind of vibes by the end. I was just like, it's not that I didn't like it. It was just that I was a little bit frustrated with what we got. And also it's like yeah. very fresh on my mind. Like it's less than 24 hours. The episode's less than 24 hours old. So oh. like maybe further down the line, but also I just really wonder, I was like, what are y'all's stand? Actually, you know what? No, uh, as as I say that, it actually makes more sense to me because I kept wondering. I I was so so confused when I saw all those people on like Crunchyroll's like Twitter and Instagram like 
singing the praises of the show. And I kept wondering, I was like, what is it? Like, what are your standards? Like, and then I also remembered that like schools really don't teach niggas shit no more. Oh, like, so I was like, oh, okay. Well, that's probably why. Like, you're like, you know, I'm not saying that it's like shitty and no one should ever like it. I'm not like, you know, like a demon slayer or like my hero hater or some shit like that. But it's also just like, you have you read books? Like, have you have you like experienced a proper like you know structured storyline that has like a set like as we were talking about earlier? Like, you know, and in which. <laughs> Wow, like the tangents just yeah. keep fucking coming. Where Thinna had a predetermined ending, Eden. So we, we yes. had that the entire time, which is why the journey was good until it wasn't. Yeah. So that like that's the frustrating thing. It's like it it would be as though like if we all like spent all these years in on in, in one piece, all these fucking years going along with everything, one piece, all kind of shit like that, and we get to the end. And they're like, Luffy, One Piece was inside of you all along. Uh, and then I'd be like, I hate you. I hate you. I hate everyone. I hate, don't talk to me. No one talk to me. Oh my God. If that was the actual end of One Piece, I think several cities in Japan at would least burn. would be burned. They'd be burned to the ground. Because it would start with all those statues that they have. Oh shit. And it would just spread. Like If you thought the Attack on Titan backlash would be terrible was terrible imagine the one piece backlash from people who like read were like up to date on a thousand chapter plus Jesus. like they they watched every episode every filler episode they swore up and down to all their friends no 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 if you didn't like the beginning just like wait till they get, wait till they get to and you to know Marine what i've seen some people starting it lately and i'm like are you crazy like you really gonna start the episodes read the manga read the Bro. manga and then start watching the episodes or it's that easy like, or if anything, read the manga up to the Wano arc and then start watching from but the you, beginning But you get Wano my point. Like, if they did that, that would that would be such a betrayal of so many, like, decades yes. of people's lives invested like, in this fucking on, story. Full-on content creators making their lives from that IP. If they did that, it would ruin. It would. That would be unbelievable. It would be... I, and, <laughs> like i got the like look i don't want to be like the i told you so person but like my feeling always with uh, attack on titan back in the day was that the author had one good idea and then kind of lost the thread so when things went off the well, rails I heard, for real i think i heard that like didn't he have all of it to when up till they the, yeah the up to the ocean uh up till they opened the the grisha's cabin which okay. was like right before the part where they get to the ocean. Okay, but so yeah, yeah, I heard that all of that was like predetermined. Like he had that shit like yep. down packed solid. Yep, yep. Which... He was actually going to end the series when they got to the ocean. Like that was the original thought. Mm. But... Oh, so like in the ca- but because of like you know the popularity and shit. Yes. The, the the contents of the cabin probably changed. Yes, that's a, that's literally what happened. Yes. Oh, okay, okay, okay. <laughs> so. So I say all that to to mean that like I knew that the ending would be a train wreck because the that destination was not the original idea and I'm not saying this as an arrogant person because I also I feel for creatives and writers like it is fucking hard to make something work but like you don't when wh- all right this is going to this is I'll try not to make this like too much of a a, a uh, a rant but like 
one of the golden rules about being a creative person I've been taught, and I think it's a really important one, is that for every horrible idea that you have, like, you probably had to go through, you know, a hundred thousand, like, absolutely god-awful dirt worse, don't tell anybody about it. For every, like, okay idea, you probably have ten thousand horrible ideas. And so on and so on. So for every one good idea that you really do come up with, or even great idea that you come up with, there's so much other garbage that you had to try to create and then fail at or have it not, you know, have have trouble completing before you get to the good shit. So when you get a good one, the idea that the next thought that you would have creatively is also going to be good is a usually a a false premise you're gonna have to probably start back at the beginning with a bunch of bad ideas and something about the whole like serialized nature of storytelling is that when you don't think through every nuance and every direction you could go and you just say okay come up with the next thing on the fly the likelihood that the next thought out of your brain is going to be a good one is very low so when yeah. things start to go off the rails, that's one of the reasons why stories that are not put together by committee, which is its own problem, but like by singular authors can just sort of fall spiral. apart. Yeah, spiral is literally that the next idea you have to meet your deadline may not be any good and it may set you up for future bad ideas to get yourself out of it. So I don't know what the fate of Fena really was. I mean, like it's a co-production between Country Roll and Adult Swim. And frankly, there hasn't been a single truly successful Crunchyroll production other than Tower of God. Um, which and it's not yeah. they're not even going to continue it because it's too much of an undertaking for them, most likely. Yeah. So like the 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 problem here, I think, is Crunchyroll's production process. I don't know if it's the Adult Swimness of the show because it had strong bones, or it felt like it did anyway. It did. Yeah. And, no. And and that's what makes it frustrating is that. The startup um, or the ending didn't live up to what we got in the beginning. Yeah. So, you know. Well, that's a good segue, though, into the actual news topic I want to talk about. Okay, let's segue. Yeah, because we just rant now. Yeah, Yeah, the segue. So the the topic, I think, is what we we both keyed into actually a week or so ago was the announcement um, that Disney would be entering into the anime streaming space. This is horrible news, y'all. I just just have to let y'all know. Yeah. And their model they appear to be adopting is somewhere in between Crunchyroll and Netflix in the sense that they have announced that they will be um, funding um, the production of a variety of what they're calling original series. But for the most part, um, they are... Uh, well, I'll let you be the judge. So, Black Rock Shooter is getting a continual a, a continuation series in Don't in Black care. Rock Shooter da- Dawnfall. Then they're also bankrolling Summertime Rendering and Tatami Time Machine Blues, both of which are new um, and will be produced in Japan for a Japanese audience as part of the Disney Plus streaming service. So these are not. Um, earmarked for western distribution though you can assume that if they release there will probably be a localization that will come maybe four to six months after they air in japan so yeah. there are there are like a variety of reasons why i have a problem with this but so, but ironically it's not necessarily because it's disney which is what a lot of people were reacting to is like well disney doesn't do anime they do western stuff so they'll fuck it up no i don't think it's that's the no. reason they'll fuck it up 
Oh but, no, 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 no. I don't yeah, I don't think I think it's I'm worried about the legal corporate side of this. Yes. 100%. That's what I'm worried about. So it to step back a little bit, we were just talking about you know, the downfall of, of uh uh co product or at least one high profile co production in Fena, at least from a story point of view. I think it probably did good business for um Adult Swim. And oh, I don't yeah. know about I'm not so sure about Crunchyroll. Crunchyroll is more and quietly one of the things that's happened, you know, as a result of the merger is that Crunchyroll has basically discontinued its original series. Um, I think the even though that like that that girl that magical girl one is like getting released now. Yeah, but they but the that show has been in development hell for like four years. Um, oh, it's crazy. So like, look, I don't want to. I don't want to step into the more um, hot button political side of the conversation around um, was it Guardian Spice or something? High Guardian Spice. Um, it, regardless of what you think, the origin of the the validity of the origin of that production and the people behind it and what their intentions were with the series, there's major problems that we've seen from the production model that Crunchyroll undertook. The I, I will spare all the major details. The bottom line is that um, Crunchyroll thought that they could spin up um, a variety of basically subsidiary studios um, in Japan and then manage the production from the Western corporate side in order to serve the needs of the Crunchyroll service, which, remember, is primarily um, focused on a non-Japanese audience because they don't, you know, they, they simulcast, but they don't simulcast um only in japanese like they localize a lot of the stuff that they get like whether it's yeah. subtitled or it's dubbed so that's and crunchyroll's subscriber base is all you know western i mean i think in europe they have a footprint but it's almost america and yeah, canada aren't there, i think there are different services in europe aren't there that is that is correct and there's also um a spanish language version that they have that you know is available in mexico and south america but the bottom line is that like that from a corporate point of view Every one of their productions has been horrifically mishandled from, you know, to the point where whole studios would be behind by six to 12 months. We're talking like before the pandemic, like they were already just fucking up. Um, Apparently, there were also like major leadership problems with like uh, executives who were in charge on the Western end of the of these deals, like just having really bad zero percent surprising yeah they having like just bad working relationships with the japanese talent and of course like quality suffered on a variety of series which caused them to get pushed back and every time a series got pushed back yeah it played havoc with crunchyroll's promotion where a lot of the shows outside of that like one year stretch where they released um uh, god of high school tower of god and no bless basically back to back um from i think uh uh winter to summer um that was the only time that they were ever able to do things on deliver on time. And in fact, that whole block was delayed a, a year. So the bottom line is that like, there's still a big problem with Western studios working with Japanese production companies. And even though what we th- hoped was the best case that Western money would sort of help out with the, um, tenuous nature of getting a show greenlit and the whole Japanese production committee approach, the reality of it is that uh, they were huge money sinks for Crunchyroll. So what does this say about Disney Plus? It says that adopting the Crunchyroll model but thinking that you can do it better seems like a 
risky decision. And then if you look at the shows that they have announced so far, none of them strike me as having the upside of like international success as anything Crunchyroll was trying to do, whether they succeeded um, or not. No one gives a fuck about Black Rock Shooter. I'm sorry. Yeah. Like, I mean, it has its community, but like on the world stage, the main thing I think of when I think of Black Rock Shooter is just going and fighting, finding a fight compilation. And that's it. Like, I don't care about the story. I don't care about which girl is who or which girl does what or whatever. I care about watching the fight scene. That's it. Which that doesn't do much for a lot of people. Some people, they want, you know, they need their faves to stand and shit like that. And the girls barely talk. Yeah. So <laughs> I, that, I mean, the other that, two I haven't heard of. I don't know if they're, they're not anime originals, are they? Uh, not, well, in a weird way they are. So, to, so, so Tommy Time Machine is a sequel to Tatami Galaxy, which is a, oh. which was a novel, not a light novel, but an actual novel. That was written in the early 2000s and got an anime adaptation recently in 2020 that, you know, did pretty well. My understanding of it yeah, is Yeah, I've heard that the name before. Yeah. Yeah. Like, I, it, it's like a sort of rom- romance or romance subtext type of story. Um, slice of life, sort of, but it's more serious. And I don't know. Like, I don't, I don't fully get why this one of all things was part of their lineup because it seemed like a very niche sort of story and then the other one is a mystery like it's just a you know guy goes back to an island and like weird shit's happening but it seems like light supernatural like nothing you know particularly gritty or uh, it just you know like and then black rock shooter which like has a cult following yeah you know going way way back but like it's not the uh, maybe there were people who were clamoring for like uh the the that to come back but wasn't it like an original like net animation first yeah and then like yeah like yeah it's it's not this like huge juggernaut of a franchise i mean it's i like, not like, I like it's like a light novel banger right or right like right some shit like that i just my biggest worry with this is that Disney is going to have their hands in it and then uh, content creators are going to suffer because they are insufferable when it comes to copyright shit. And I'm not just talking about like <laughs> YouTube. I'm talking about just like, you know, stuff in general. You know how people like to make, you know, um, like fan keychains and shit like that, which, yeah, you are using like their intellectual property. But the way that these niggas go hard over anything Mickey Mouse, it's kind of just like, oh my God. So now you're going to be dipping your, your hand, your fingers, your actual, your whole fucking limb into this shit. And knowing them, they are going to monetize it. They're going to, cause they did that shit with Kingdom Hearts where you got, you got Kingdom Hearts, like keychains and keyblades and but shit. But how are they even going to, the series they chose are like unmonetizable. Like, They're going to throw money <laughs> at it. It don't matter. It don't matter. It's unmonetizable. They're going to throw money at it. They're going to have, like, full-on, like, at the, what, like, Barnes and Nobles and shit like that. They're going to have, like, a full-on shelf where they're going to be like, buy the the popular streaming thing from on Disney Plus, buy the original manga version, or, like, the new, like, they're going to throw money at this shit. And then, I don't know, like, I just don't see, I just don't see 
Disney touching anime ending in a like positive experience. Yeah. What I what I see is, and I I hope it isn't in this way is that I don't want them to like have uh, um ownership primarily over studio. So I know they just did like you know visions and shit like that, but those were collaborations. Those weren't like you know full on. We're buying this studio and Disney owns them, and thus we own everything that they produce from here on forth. And we're actually in the process of buying everything that they've done. I I don't want that because then like can you even can you imagine like them Disney vaulting anime? Like yeah, that's bad. I th- like, I, I think you're you're thinking into the future if this works. I agree with you. All those things are bad. I'm but stuck on the present. you don't even think pres- it's going to get that far? I think that this is a big problem because it... So, all right. Yeah, I don't wanna, we, I'm just we'll thinking see. of I'm it a- from a, a, <sighs> a mindset of how they currently treat all their current IPs. And I'm like, I don't want to see a favorite anime series of mine being treated the same way. Like, So, I, I, I'll, I'll try to keep this as succinct as possible. There's an upside and a downside to this generation that we're in where anime itself is a growing property for media rights. The upside of it is that a lot more stuff can get produced that normally would be that would serve audiences that either are underserved because it's just literally like what 60 to 70, there's 60 or 70, um, anime productions a year out of japanese tv and then maybe you add another 10 for like net related stuff that means that there's things that are left out that could possibly get made that could serve either niche audiences or mainstream audiences if they had the chance yeah but like don't comey get... like the people didn't think comey was gonna get an adaptation like ever right so the, to me the upside of more money coming in and more corporate interests especially from overseas coming in is opportunities to make more stuff so the best case scenario for the world we could be living in right now is that all of these Western companies came in, they found undervalued um, uh, project, projects um, that people are pitching or from original stuff or you know existing stuff that otherwise wouldn't get animated because the built-in fan base in Japan is not big enough and those get made and some of them are good and then they become tentpole type of affairs and everybody wins because we all get more anime and it's better right that's the that's like the ceiling of the upside then there's like some fringe benefits about maybe making the uh committee system that currently funds and and promotes and monetizes a lot of anime in japan more open and uh more transparent and therefore this new money comes in and, and makes like the workers' lives better. That's like fringe benefit that we could get. Then there's a ton of downsides, which you've outlined one of them, which is like rapacious foreign companies come in, buy up a lot of rights to series that people want, and then monetize them aggressively and fuck everyone else you know over. That's yeah. one downside. I think another big downside is these Western companies come in, they don't know what the fuck they're doing, they mismanage or mishandle big IPs that we really, really like, and then when they eventually or inevitably fail commercially, because they now own the rights to these things, there's no chance that, that we get anything in the future, so we get nothing. And I feel like, so far, we've only gotten the downsides and none of the upside. Yeah. So my big problem is like whether it's medium term, near term, or far in the future... I don't like what is happening and to have Disney come in and basically now try to duplicate 
a model that already failed miserably with a company with, that doesn't have its history, only they are already doing it worse by not even picking uh, picking up series that are going to do anything or have any plan to you know, deal with the Western side of the releases. This just feels to me like, oh, um, the Disney Japan subsidiary wants to own some anime. Yeah. That's it. That's it. Yeah, that's it. It just fucking sucks. They want some money. Yeah. So I don't like it. I'm 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 negative on it, and I'm negative on Crunchyroll. I'm negative on what uh, uh, Netflix is generally trying to do. The only thing I'll say about Netflix, which is a gift and a curse, is that they have shown some creative ambition with the choices of the properties that they directly fund. I think like they haven't had a lot of hits, but I like what they did with Baki. I, I'm a fan. I like what they did with Be the Beginning. I don't think that really even would have been made if it wasn't for the way Netflix funds stuff. But the problem with Netflix funding of anything, and that includes all their live action stuff, is that they don't tell the audience anything about the performance of the shows. Which means that when shit gets canceled, it comes out of fucking nowhere. So if you're dealing with a series that, like looks like it's going somewhere and then out of the blue you find out oh it was dropped and canceled by netflix but you don't know why and there's no recourse and oh by the way you can't get any physical version of it anywhere there's gonna be no merchandise nothing cool is gonna come out of this investment for a fan that fucking sucks and i'm not a big fan of them owning uh the the western rights to a lot of stuff and they mislabel shit by calling it netflix originals when it's really just rebranded stuff out of the studio system i hate that shit yeah so, huh, got that like off my Seven chest. Deadly Sins is not a Netflix original. No, it's not. And you know what? Frankly, like maybe it shouldn't have existed at all because like that third season was absolutely trash. Oh no, I didn't finish it yet. I need to finish that. I need to get caught up. I the heard story cool is fantastic, in... but the animation is not good Ooh. in a lot of parts. Oh yeah. Well, I heard that. Oh yeah, that final battle when like his dad. Well, not the final final battle, but like the first core of the final season. Yeah. Where like the dad took over his body and shit. I was yeah, like, this yeah. is boo boo. <laughs> I was like, it's like it's a the part of the of the manga that they're at is fine. I finished the manga. Manga's fantastic. Go read the fucking Seven Deadly Sins manga. It's great. Well, yeah. It, I, well, I also heard that the what is it? The Four Horsemen shit is doing really well too. Yeah, it is, and it was because also. Th- th- Seven Deadly Sins is super popular. It's another example of like a series that like it 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 had a built-in fan base. But could you imagine if everything about the content was the same, but it just wasn't popular in Japan? Like you'd never see it. And there's and by the way, just as a sh- and there's no executives who ever listen to a podcast like this. But like my thought is, there are so many underutilized IPs that exist. From either manga, if you're into light novels, I'm sure there's some that are out there that could be had for basically nothing that you could plant your flag on as like a, uh, a, a, you know, Western company want to come in and bankroll some shit. Like for, if you put seven, five to seven million dollars into like some of the stuff that was in Shonen Jump seven years ago, but got discontinued, but had a fan base. Like that's what I want to see. Where is Siren? Where I mean, are some of these other like battle manga that I don't know are who just the fuck is doing this shit? But someone needs to fucking finish Katakeo Hitman Reborn. It has like oh two yeah, arcs. exactly. Like like it... what the fuck? And niggas love it. Niggas can love I also it. can I also this is like a, a sidebar. Like so, one, there was another story from a week ago. So Sega had shut down its um iconic arcade 
uh, in Aki, I think it's Akihabara. Yeah. Um, and people were crying, and then they told everyone a week later that they're building a new one in Ikeburo, which is great. It's all fantastic news. But it reminded me of a little-known game, that, or maybe for most people, that they forgot about called uh, Tatsunoko versus Capcom. Have you ever played that game? I have. I No, I've never played it. I know so, of it, though. So it's technically the uh, prequel series, as far as like development goes, to Ultimate Marvel versus Capcom 3 but the reason why you've probably never heard of it despite the fact that like it should be every weebs like wet dream of a fighting game because it's from the same Marvel versus like lineage and it's got mm-hmm. like characters from like you know from ev- from everything in it is that it's the rights for like it's ownership shit of shit is such a disaster in the you know in Japan and out of Japan that they can't even um they can't even deal with the legal challenges of lo- of like say just putting a, a localized copy of it out on a Nintendo Switch because I think it only came out for Wii, which is why it was ignored as a fighting game because nobody played Wii for yeah, fighting no, games. Yeah, no, yeah, exactly, yeah. But I mean, like this, this sort of he- brawl, <laughs> right? And so this sort of hell that uh, some properties find themselves in—that's a perfect time for big Western money to come in and just buy rights. And just say fuck it, like we'll like we'll settle the legal problem with money, and then we could get cool shit again. But of course, we cannot. So I'm just I saw that Disney shit. I took one look at it, and I'm fucking done. Um, thank God they chose series that I will never watch or never have any interest in watching. Yeah, they can but- do their little, you know, like Disney princes into anime shit. Like, don't I mean the what's what the what the. The only thing that's gonna happen is people are just gonna make fan art of them fucking like oh. big like <laughs> deal. Also, like, yeah, I don't think Disney's ready for that. Like, no, they're not, and they can't. You, they can't regulate that. Like the no, uh, they the, those doji. The mouse will get his do, money. Those they can't. They can't. They because they already. Oh well, let me. Yeah, <laughs> they already have American artists doing that shit with the princes. So just wait until you draw them in an anime style. Oh, bitch. Oh, wow. Just just yeah. wait. Just fucking wait. Yeah. Anyway, which I'm... Also, uh... Tokyo BTM, um, uh, which I feel like we, we've definitely talked about them on the show. Or maybe yeah, I've yeah. told you about their YouTube channel. They actually did um, a YouTube video about um, BL. Like going into the differences and like oh that's cool and like they oh wait also, no I did see I did I actually watched some of that one yeah 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 I actually really enjoyed it how they especially how they highlighted how like Bara is like specifically for like gay men um and then I also saw something about I did they it was either something similar to that about like the reason why oh well no actually it was a conversation that I had with someone else about like the reason why Bara is the preferred method or preferred, you know, um, erotic fiction for gay men is because of the hyper-masculine thing. And, like, it leads back into, like, when there weren't gay magazines, but there were, like, bodybuilding magazines. So that's where, like, a lot of, like, you know, the gay community... I'm not... I I can't specifically speak for the Japanese community, but, like, at least for, like, the American gay community, that's where, like, the hyper-obsession with, like, musculature comes from because that was the only access to, like, gay-ish, like, softcore gay (laughs) that you could get. And, you know, you know, you know, you know, people in their magazines. So, yeah, I do. I do. 
So I, I'm think well, anyways, that's not what this episode is about. But I, I just wanted to bring up that because that was so interesting. And yeah, the Fujoshis and the Fudanchis are going to have a fucking ball with these Disney princes. Oh god. They just won't be Bara. They'll actually be like, you know, <laughs> Because no, because American artists have already they already got these oh, yeah. princes fucking. They yes, just got yeah. they just got them they just got, you know, American bodies. So it's like it's closer to Bara. But yeah. now they're just going to, you know, the <laughs> the ladies. It's the ladies' turn. Well, it's not the ladies' well, turn. Good. It's the well, it's, it's the rotten's turn. turn. Yeah, it's everyone else's turn. Yeah, but yeah, Disney, fuck off! Don't, 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 don't. Well, it's too late. They're going to do it. Oh, just choose some shit. That. I don't maybe care about. Maybe they'll want to sponsor one day. <laughs> Never I don't mind. care. <laughs> I don't fucking care. Just, you do some shit that I'm not trying to watch. And we're, we're cool. Yeah, this, don't touch. Well, no, they really can't even touch most of the. I think what you said is absolutely correct. If they go and they like get something and they revive something that like people want it revived and then it doesn't perform the way that they want it to and then it just dies again, then problems. Yeah, I will. So before we before we sign off of this topic, I want to just highlight that there are examples of western collaboration that turn out very very well the and it goes both ways so like one where the japanese studio is leading and one where the western studio is leading i think um hero man that was produced in concert with stan lee uh and oh, Marvel yeah. back, back in the day i think that it is a perfectly understandable and reasonable and fun to watch anime was it but didn't it, stan just like all he did was provide like the designs yeah he did some like character design stuff but like that was basically a japanese studio yeah taking a partnership and running was with it bones? on some original yeah it was bones yeah it was bones yeah, yeah, yeah and it was a you know high quality it was original idea it was cute it was like set in the u.s but it was obviously just an anime like everything about it was like you know had the trappings of that i really enjoyed it it wasn't a heavy show or a difficult show to watch and i would generally just recommend it as something for kids that they could really it wasn't cheesy it was just interesting the other side of that where an american company led and this is back to my og status is big o big o oh, through a, adult swim and cartoon network was actually the production side or the, the production direction side was led by the u.s partners at at adult swim like the oh i the thought scripts that and, I thought that the first season wasn't, and then the continuation was. Right, the second season was. And I'm saying that's oh, an example okay, of like okay. a successful partnership. Because niggas where love Big O. Big O's fucking fantastic. Like, they produced a classic. Yeah, they did. And it was something that people want, right? It was, a, it was an original property that did not so great in Japan, but did really, really well in the United States. And rather than compromise the things that made it work... There were, you know, funders for the U in the U.S. said we'll take over basically the money and funding and whatever and and the the scripts and direction, but we'll have the Japanese studio do the exact same thing they did with the first season. But the best part about the you know the the partnership was it made localization easy. It made yeah. ownership of the content easy and simple. Right, so like this is what I'm talking about. Look at the things that worked and duplicate that. Why the fuck are these multi-billion-dollar companies looking at failed efforts and trying to duplicate those? Don't do what Crunchyroll did. Crunchyroll fucked it up. Netflix fucked it up. Do what Adult Swim did 
successfully back in the day or look at some other partnerships that actually produce shit people wanted and for the love of god somebody buy out the rights of tower of god and just like get to work because this series is too good and the anime adaptation was too good to have it just be one of those lost stories that we talk about 20 years from now like man the tower god should have gotten finished kevin penkin is like dead now so we can't get the music anymore <laughs> like i don't want that to be the case that's that fucking sucks they had the, the fucking Russian orchestra doing shit on... Like, what a lost... Anyway, I'm done ranting. I'm done. I mean, we deserve. We yeah. we, we, we deserve all the things. We deserve. <sighs> Hurts my we, soul. We, we shall see, though. We shall... <sighs> Who knows? Who knows? Yeah, I know. But yeah, I mean, I don't have anything else to talk about. Today. I ain't got I feel shit like, else. I feel I'm, like I've I'm, ranted enough. I'm done. Uh, um, what are my recommendations for the week? I don't even know. <laughs> I mean, my recommendation is Osama ranking. Like, go watch that shit. Go watch uh, that shit. I guess um, I'll recommend, was it Soul Station Necromancer, which is a manhwa I was reading recently. Really kind of short because it's just started this year. I think it's pretty good. I like the art. I like the story. It's a little... A little paint by the numbers in some places, but it's pleasant and it's an interesting take on the, you know, dungeoneering subgenre. But um, yeah, that's about it. Nothing new. Oh, actually, Rebuild World um, is an anime that's been anime, a manga that's been going on for a really, really long time. It's one of those like monthly releases. If uh-huh. you're looking for something that's like, uh, I don't know, like a little bit, a little like like harder sci-fi definitely very violent but also like it's got some like fan service built into the concept like it's not too and that's not too annoying but pick it up like it's an easy read and um it's not doesn't have too many volumes out maybe maybe like uh are they in the 50s maybe something like that so just something to read if you are bored but okay. yeah that's it that's it all right well make sure you follow us on twitter at anime underscore Savants, and then also follow us on the Instagram, YouTube, TikTok, and Facebook at just regular anime savants. Yep, you can hit me up on Twitter at Neural Handshake. Um, and that is it for the week from me. All right, bye. Peace out. Bye.